0: They weren't just things that we were doing within ISEC and within our membership. These were all projects that had real community impact. You know, the Ask program, Project Black, you're talking about, the Yes program that we ran. There were real communities that were impacted. And it's just phenomenal that we did all those things at those ages. And they didn't really feel like they were anything special that we were doing at the time.
1: Today I'm chatting with Nia DME. Ni is an old friend of mine, a really old friend of mine, and was one of my teammates in ISEC in Nigeria. He's a dad and a product manager at Electrolux in Sweden, and we'll be chatting about being bicultural, parenting, and our ISEC experience. This is Pi. You're listening to Coffee and Banter, my podcast about stories of grit and resilience. Thank you so much, Ni, nee, for joining me this morning. And I know we've been trying to put this together for a year or so now, so it's great to finally have it happening. Yeah. But just really excited for our episode together and all the topics that we're going to cover.
0: It's it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Like I was saying just now, it's, it's, it's my first time actually recording a, a podcast, so I feel like I have. I arrive now, finally, I can, I think I can put that on my CV somewhere. <laughs>
1: Podcast guest. I feel like it's worth mentioning that I've known you now for, wait, probably like 20, maybe 19 years, 18 years?
0: Yes, 17, 18 years, exactly.
1: Yeah, thereabouts, 17 years. And you and I shared the same house for two years or one and a half years. So I, I do feel like I've known you a lot, but we've kind of like not been in touch very well. but anyway. Okay, so let's start from like me as a child. What was your childhood experience like? That's
0: a great question. Um, and actually one that I've been reflecting around a lot lately, thinking about like how come I'm, I'm where I am today and what, what some of those influences from my childhood, what role those influences had to play. I come from a, a multicultural family. My mom is Beninese, so she's from Benin Republic. And my dad is Nigerian, so I'm 50% Beninese, 50% Nigerian, and that, that's something that I take that I take a lot of precision to mention nowadays, right? I was born in in Benin, and so I spent my first 10 years in Benin, in Cotonou. I went to a Nigerian high school so the high school was jointly owned by the embassy of Nigeria in Benin, as well as I think the parents teachers association something like that right so at home I was speaking French and the local language which is called Fon, with my cousins and my you know siblings and, and friends and so on and then in school it was all English and at home as well it was English as well so even though my mom is Francophone she I, I don't know how come and why, but she never really spoke to us in French. So it was the same trajectory for myself and my brothers. We pretty much did my primary education in cotonou And then we moved to Nigeria for high school and university. And, but I only really started learning Yoruba in my high school when I'd gone to learn.
1: Interesting. What other five languages you speak right now? It's English,
0: French, and then it's Fon. Yoruba, and I said 0.5 because um, I'm I'm learning Swedish now as well, it's the least of the five.
1: So, I know we're going to talk about parenthood and fatherhood in a while, but are you looking forward to raising your child as like a polygot as well?
0: Yes, I, I very much am, and you know, I have to admit that I've, I mean, it's one of the areas where I have a lot more work to do. I really champion, you know, having your kids speak the local language, not just speaking but also actually having some sort of appreciation for our culture because growing up abroad is a whole different ball game from a cultural perspective right and um I feel like I, I feel as though I haven't been intentional enough. you know, I speak English with him all the time at home It's the same with his mom as well. He goes to a bilingual school, so it, it's English and Swedish, and I really don't want him to miss out of. At least speaking one, if not both, of the local languages that I also speak, you know, just so if he ever needs to, to reintegrate back home at some point, he's not he's not too far behind.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Like, of my two, um, the elder one speaks Olivia of Yoruba. She doesn't speak as much, but she understands. The smaller one <laughs> doesn't understand anything. And we try to teach him because my mom does try to teach him, but it it's a lot of work, uh, like you said
0: it is indeed you, you 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 speak to them primarily in english right i do right
1: i realize that i most of the time revert to you about when i'm upset and so i'm also trying to make sure that your is not the language
0: of like punishment
1: exactly for them but i mean th- th- this is very interesting honestly
0: and I-, I feel like many parents in our generation need a-, a little bit of push or a little bit of help here we are the vast majority of us speak the local language but it's maybe not our first language of communication right so we tend to want to just speak english to our kids
1: yeah, and I think some of what you said, like the fact that a lot of us probably, it's not our first language, right? Like our command of the language is not as good. Because like I grew up similar to you where I was English was what was spoken to me at home. And I just kind of picked you up like when my parents spoke to each other, like when I was out. And so when it comes to kids, it's it's not just the language that I'm thinking in.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, prior to us having our son, we had actually said we wanted to be intentional about it, right? And then we had decided that we wanted to start practicing in preparation for his arrival. (laughs) And that was just a disaster. You know, like the moment we start speaking to each other, we just burst into laughter because it's not, it's just not something we're used to at all. You know, it really takes some level of discipline.
1: So let's go back a little bit to being generally interracial. A couple of people have spoken to talk about like being in that space of being the other across both groups, right? Like you're not Nigerian enough for the Nigerians, but you're not this enough for the Beninos as well. Is that, was that your experience as well?
0: I don't think think so to be honest i think i mean people people always have a very funny reaction when they realize i'm half benin like, oh then they say okay this explains a and b and c like maybe there's always been something about me that they couldn't quite figure out but in terms of my immediate environments, no and i think that's primarily because i i grew up in 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 benin in cotonou and i spoke the language perfectly the, the language was a bit of a unifying factor in that sense. Um, On the Nigerian side, maybe I felt it in my first year in Nigeria when I I wasn't quite speaking the local language, right? Like I said, Um, but I think again, the language was the leveling factor here. I, I mastered the language to the level that I felt I could, you know, fit into any conversation and people couldn't really just detect from the get-go that I wasn't that knowledgeable or skilled in the language. And I think because my name is also a Yoruba name, I could easily just fit into the culture from that perspective. I've, I've felt a certain level of acceptance both ways, I would say.
1: So you moved back to Nigeria, high school, university. I know you joined ISEC in university. So let's talk a little bit about ISEC and your experience there and how it's kind of like, shaped you into what you're doing currently, which we'll talk about shortly.
0: ISEC honestly has been that, I think it has been the major catalyst. I studied mathematics in school and there's no doubt that me doing, you know, product management or project management today is clearly due to the skills I picked up in ISEC. Um, there's absolutely no doubt about that. The very first job I got um, after leaving ISEC, I got due to a referral from someone in ISEC. My first job in Sweden was a job I got through the ISEC network. It was, it was an internship through the ISEC network. There's so many things that I've done today or have been or ha- have done in my life that I can draw a straight line back to ISEC for. you know, And um, that's that that's an experience in my life that I'm fully grateful for. And then, for, for the sake of any listeners who may not know what, what ISEC is, ISEC is an international student organization that is entirely run by students globally. And I, I feel like that was a very great. School of preparation or school of readiness, you know, f- finishing school, so to say, for for me. And on top of that, I met a great chunk of my network that I that I still hold very dear to today, including you.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because I was talking about like the ISEC experience with my brother this week, how our lives kind of got shaped a little bit, and we're talking about how. Even things as simple as you're trying to host a conference for, you know, 200, 300 people and you don't have a dime in your bank account. And somehow you know you're going to make it happen. Somehow you know you're going to raise the money because you're going to go knock on doors of people, whether you know them or not. You're going to take some risks. You're going to build some deals with hotels and things like that. And you do that as a 20-year-old, 18-year-old with people. You learn how to work in teams.
0: It is. It is indeed. And yeah, when you put it like that, it's exactly what it is. And I don't actually think that some of us appreciate the leap in development that we all gained doing exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So it's really one of those things that I really hope that my kids can also benefit from, because even if they don't appreciate it in that moment, you know, I think that it's it's a school of preparation that really sets them up for A lot of challenges that they would face later in life.
1: What's your fondest memory of Isaac?
0: I'll say two things. One was definitely when we won the award for being the most, what was it, the most improved? LC. Yes. The LC hadn't done a couple of exchanges in a while and we were being rewarded for doing four exchanges. That was by no means anything stellar, but... Given where we had come from and given what our history was in the years leading up to that point, you know, it, it, it felt like, wow, Lauren is back from, from the dead, basically, you know. And it was the first time I really understood the power of the network that ISEC has because there were lots of people that had heard their names, you know, up until that point, you know, so-called legends of ISEC in my L.C. at the time. And the vast majority of them called us that evening, called me actually, within minutes of receiving that award, it was just like, wow, this little thing that we did this year and we actually felt, well, we, we we hadn't done that much and, you know, we have a lot more work to do in the following year. It was a big motivation for us, I would say. That was the first time I really started dreaming in reality. The other, I would say, is maybe maybe not so remarkable from a milestone perspective, but for me, I think it was it was definitely a big Deal for me at the time as well. When we were leaving ISEC um, our team, um, you, me, David, and Laulu, and we, we were asked that question at our very last QA with the plenary about what our biggest fight was about. And you know, we, we we spoke to each other and we found out we actually didn't have a big fight. I mean, that was a big deal. It wasn't because we were all similar people or that we didn't we didn't have actually areas of disagreement. I think it was just the maturity in the way that we worked in that year where we could have a conversation. And even when we disagreed around a certain topic, we would leave the meeting with all speaking the same language and, and speaking in one voice. And that, that really showed
1: me that we we, we we spent a very valuable year together. It was a really good year, I think. So mathematics to product project management, <laughs> um, what was that transition like? And what's like your, what's like your typical day at work?
0: The, the first question is a really easy one. I, I, I never spent a day as a mathematician, so that was, thanks to Isaac, I never had to practice it. However, there are there, there is a certain impact that studying mathematics has on your brain, right? It does help shape up your the logical part of your brain, and I think that's what the impact has been for me personally. So how did I land here? I went to a master's in the UK, I studied international business and project management, and then I found a job at Electrolux. It was an internship initially, which just seemed perfectly suited to me at the time. I had done project management in ICEC which was in, in the non-corporate sector. I had worked in the experiential marketing space in Nigeria. That, that was basically me deploying my project management skills in two different industries. And then I found this job in the IT industry and that seemed really exciting to me. You know, I had never been an IT guy, never been a technical guy in any, in, in any way, shape or form. I don't, I didn't really even have a passion for tech, but that felt like the type of challenge I needed at the times. But um, over the years I've sort of moved gradually away from hardcore project management and I do what we call non-tech product management these days. It's it's very simple. I manage a couple of platforms and tools on behalf of my company. So I sort of manage the entire life cycle of those products within my company.
1: Let's go to your other job because I, I can hear the person say mommy, mommy in the background. So let's go to that job. So I know you're a dad and parenting is probably one of those things that has, in my opinion, has evolved a lot, especially for those of us who grew up in a different culture, in a different time and are raising kids in a whole different culture in a whole different time. So let's go into parenting. How old is your son?
0: He's 2.5 now. He'll, he'll be three in October.
1: Oh, nice. He's a little grown. What would you say are some of the ways that you think that you parent him, maybe in, in ways that are similar to how you were raised, but also in ways that are different from how you were raised?
0: I would say that I'm raising him a lot differently from how I was raised. First of all, the fact that both of us parents can be in the same place and, you know, be there to guide him is a big deal. My father, um, unfortunately, due to his his professional circumstances, had to return to Nigeria when I was about three. One thing that is different as well is even if it's just the coincidence of him being born as a pandemic baby, or if it's just also the environment we find ourselves in. I found myself spending a lot of time with him at home, right? He goes to school during the day, And then we have him during the weekends and in the evenings as well. But that already is a lot of time that I get to spend with him, you know, because I'm working from home like 80% of the time. I can interact with him in a way that I didn't always have my own father there to interact with. And not even my mother, by the way, because my mother was busy with four unruly boys in the house, right? I feel like parents of nowadays, you know, in our generation, are a bit more intentional. For me personally, it's as simple as ensuring that He has a safe space where he can come express himself if he needs to. So I I think we're raising them a lot differently than how we were raised. Whether that's necessarily a very good thing or a not so good thing, you know, we'll find out in a few decades. (laughs) time. I guess I just pray that we're not doing too badly right now.
1: But you're right. I feel like a lot of people are definitely towing the path of being more intentional, tweaking their style as they go seeing where it works, seeing where it doesn't work. Two of the things I think that resonated from what you said was that piece of having that safe space for them or, you know, no matter how crazy it gets out there. Uh, the second piece I think for me is just that piece of like owning up to when I make mistakes. Like that was something that I didn't grow up with, right? But there's going to be times when I yell when I'm not supposed to yell and just being able to go back and be like, hey, I'm sorry I yelled, I really shouldn't have. It's because I was tired already from work and, you know, and I feel like that humanizes me with them. right? But for me it's those kind of things where I try to treat treat them as whole human beings who have autonomy and are deserving of respect as well.
0: I think the key to raising kids that are also intentional in the way they act in the future is raising kids who understand the why basically behind you know they, they can question stuff if they don't understand the why but as soon as they question and you can you can you, you tell them something that makes sense and is helpful to them they internalize it immediately
1: it's it's definitely very interesting to see how much of just being around us they internalize from narisms to like ways of talking to tone of voice it's
0: absolutely true they, they mirror everything that we do you know it's also the yeah the, the power of just just mimicking exactly your own mannerisms and it's very very powerful because you can you can literally mold them in a very positive direction using those same you know just recognizing the possibility that is there
1: okay let me ask you one more question and then we'll do we'll do my 10 random questions okay if you look at your journey about the last, X X years, Um, what are you you most proud
0: of? I think that just as humans, right, we always tend to want to think about the next thing, the next thing, there is always the next thing. There's always something on your list that you've not yet done. What I've done very well in the last few years is just take a deep breath at the end of every year, actually take stock of what happened the previous year. I think I've been doing it for like three, four years now. And sometimes you might not see those leaps when you're comparing from year to year, but when you then compare in two year gaps or in three year gaps, and you're like, my God, you know, like this was something I was definitely that was definitely on my list two three years ago, and here I am now. I, I I've taken those five ten year horizons lately. I'm I'm very soon ten years in Sweden, and I can I can look back very clearly now and see how far I've come from that young, you know, maybe not so confident or very clear in the head, Intern who are just taking a job here, to what I'm doing now and then where I am as a person. By far, the thing I'm most proud of is, you know, being able to have a family and then being able to um, interact, especially with my son as well. I don't think that there are words to really describe the reality of those types of experiences. Right? You I'm trying to be as realistic here because I know that there are many frustrating moments in there as well. But I think that those moments you take to reflect and just think back at, wow, you know, I remember when I was just thinking about what this kid would look like when he was still, you know, in in his mom's belly, those types of things. Um, And then the relationship you're able to have now and laugh about things and play football in the house and read a book together or watch TV or just you know travel together have experiences even if they don't make that much sense to him now it sort of gives you a lot of confidence for the future as well you know of what that relationship could look like so for for sure I hope every day that I can spend a lot more time consciously you know investing in that relationship with him and hopefully any other siblings that he might have
1: so that's the end of like this part of the conversation Now we're going to do the 10 random questions now are you ready
0: yes i am let's let's do it
1: okay what's a song you have on repeat
0: it's a fino song with one they call it's called Zamu. zambo Zamu. it's just it's just a jam for days man it's a song i can listen to 30 times one day you should check it out what's your favorite season I would have to say summer, just because I live in a really cold country, and summer only lasts two months. So, <laughs> for sure, summer, summer is that one. If I were living in Nigeria, it would be another season. But
1: that's true. What's your secret sauce?
0: Are we talking real sauces here now?
1: I always like this because people interpret it in very differently. So, anyhow, you interpret it up down.
0: Okay, my secret sauce is staying. It's like my superpower, and right? I think it's like staying up at night and doing all my deep thinking at night that that's what I would say is my secret sauce because I'm not that much of a morning person and the secret to me navigating everything I do is having those quiet moments when everybody has gone to sleep and I have just my own thoughts to myself.
1: What is a book or a movie you'd never forget?
0: Um, A movie I'll never forget for sure is Gladiator it happens to be my my favorite movie there's just such richness in the conversations right and i think the overall story of the movie as well is very instructive from a life perspective
1: what is something as someone that always makes you laugh
0: someone that always someone that always me but i have to think wow why am i struggling with this let, let me just go with my son what is something to drink i have a brew that i make at home it's a lot less sophisticated than, than an actual brew it's a vodka and cocktail mix You make it with a proper Indian tonic and any type of vodka. My favourite vodka is Polish vodka. They've got really nicely flavoured vodkas. The mix between that and tonic is just heavenly. So that's usually my go-to drink, yeah.
1: What is um, something you'd never do again?
0: Go to Cameroon by road. Wait, was it Cameroon we went to together, you and I? It was good. that was an awesome trip. I would do that 10 times again. The Cameroon one, hell no Never doing, not not by road at least. That was by far the worst trip I've ever taken in my life.
1: What's a hobby you picked up during COVID?
0: I started r- walking and running actually, and I wouldn't have imagined in a thousand years I was ever going to do that. You know, I always used to make fun of people who who run. I just thought it was such a boring activity. And here I was, I had time to myself. I was on paternity leave in Nigeria and I, it just became one of those goals. I wanted to pick up a healthier diet and I also then had to exercise. So I would, I would walk for long periods because I had issues in my knee at the time. Um, but then I would also run intermittently and I loved it. So um, I haven't done as much since I, I got back to work.
1: Who's your celebrity crush?
0: Oh, my wife mustn't hear this one. Osansi Godaro. Oh, she's beautiful. I mean, of course, her her outer beauty is is very evident. I think it's actually the beauty of her character as well and the seriousness with which she takes her career. The last one,
1: what would the title of your biography be?
0: Whoa, that's a good one. Let's say what a life, what a life, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to downplay anything I have planned or have achieved in my life so far. But I have very, very humble aspirations, you know, things I want to do. Maybe they're not at the most grandiose scales, but as long as I'm able to touch the kind of lives i want to touch in my own minimal way I'm I'm, I'm I'm super happy from that perspective and i think i'm very much on the way towards then maybe that's a conversation for another day for sure
1: awesome i think it's been twofold for me one of course is i'm getting a very good podcast episode out of it but i feel like we also haven't caught up in a while so it's like just good for me to catch up with you and spend an uninterrupted hour chatting about the things that we want to chat about so thank you so much for making this happen And thank you
0: for coming on the podcast. No, it's it's all thanks to you. I really, I mean, we had this conversation a while ago, right? Um, And I I was very excited about the fact that you were putting this together. Um, If not for anything, I think that just people being able to connect to regular folks who are doing things in their life and who are just pushing themselves to new bounds, I think is something that is very commendable. And at the same time, you being able to just take time out of your your obviously busy schedule to, to put this together is, is very admirable as well. I think there's, there's a lesson in there for me and I guess for everyone else who is also listening. So thank you very much. It was It was a great pleasure and I had fun doing this, definitely.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Be sure to subscribe to Coffee and Banter wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be good to yourself and to those around you.